I V M. We're Team Splano. Welcome to an all-new episode of Press Decode, a weekly podcast where we take Splano's mission to declutter the news one step further. Check out our newsletter for more stories and follow us at Splano Inn to keep up with all the fun things we plan for our Splano fam. So sit back, relax, and don't let the news give you the blues. I'm Sara and I have with me Ragini, Vagta, and Adya. Take it away, Ragini. Hi, I'm Ragini and I'm what you get when a kid who watches too much TV ends up getting good grades. Basically, I'm a pop culture nerd. Hi, I'm Vagda. I'm a morning person who struggles to sleep on time and a proud cancelist of the hustle culture. I'm Adya. I'm the bubbly cheerleader friend who is constantly battling the stereotype that a vegetarian foodie is an oxymoron. I'm Sara, your host for the day. Some say I'm funny, some others would say I am the joke. Well, I guess you can listen in and decide for yourself. We have three segments for you today. In our big story, we talk about the political debate over ancient Indian history given the RSS's promises to develop Rakigari, the Harappan site, as a center of ancient culture of the country. In our food for thought segment, we will look at the perils of cosmetic procedures considering ex-supermodel Linda Evangelista recently went public about a horrific experience with something called cool sculpting. And finally, we will be roasting or toasting our favorite and least fave items. On And honestly, it's always a fun segment, so make sure you stick around for that. All right, let's begin with our big story. Okay, I'm going to start with an experiment of sorts. First thoughts when I say Harappan civilization. Quick, 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 quick. The Mohenjo-daro, that amazing movie with oh. Hrithik Roshan. <laughs> The drainage system, grade bath. Oh, uh, my sixth grade uh, history project that I happily took home the first prize for, which my mom made for me. <laughs> oh, you could have scammed since Best one. Grade. Yep, Best yep. One. So proud. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see if anyone's first reaction was Rakhi Gari. I'm not a historian. I'm not a history student. I'm not being mean. But clearly it wasn't. Anyway, here's why I asked. Recently, the Tribune noted a sudden flurry of archaeological activity at the Harappan era site of Rakigari in Haryana. But it also noted several visits to the site by RSS leaders who promised to develop Rakigari as a center of ancient culture of the country. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, chalo, let's figure out why. Okay, so for more context, uh, Rakigari is an ancient Indus Valley civilization site near Hisar dating back to the 2nd and 3rd millennium BCE. It was first discovered in the 1960s, then was briefly excavated 30 years later in the 90s, and then, poof, forgotten about for decades. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's not significant, but, I mean, you're saying Harappa and Mohenjadaro when you first say it. Like, if you're developing such... Sure. Again, take everything I say with a pinch of salt, not a history kid. <laughs> but, okay, anyway... Way later, in 2016, there was renewed interest after the discovery of nine mounds, which included 4,600 euro skeletons of four people. Now that's cool. Like, again, okay, no. not a history student, but sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Scientists were able to extract ancient DNA from one of them, and this allowed them to publish a paper based on genetic analysis. It offered answers to some of the trickliest questions about the Indus Valley civilization. Like, who were these people living along the Indus River and its vicinity? 
were they indigenous or outsiders? Were they the same people who later started the Vedic age? Or did another foreign race come and drive them out? Ah, I see why the RSS is interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. most crucially, it's sought to see how we modern Indians are related to this ancient group. This, in turn, sparked a huge and highly politicized debate over our ancestry. Rakhi Gadi has since become a symbol of great pride for the BJP-led government. Last year, it announced plans to develop the site as a tourist hub and set up five on-site museums. Politics or not, I'm a sucker for museums, so I'm low-key thoda happy. Hmm, me too. Uh, the site now spans 350 hectares and includes 11 mounds. So other than the mighty tourism plans, the question still remains, what is our ancestry really? Uh, look, the first Indians came out of Africa and can be traced back to the Andamans. Okay, they came somewhere like 65,000 years ago and they're called the Ancient Ancestral South Indians, AASI. Okay, the genetic ancestry from the DNA that was found in Rakhi Gadi combined with uh, another paper that was published in 2018, which made huge waves, by the way, and was later peer-reviewed and published in Science Magazine in 2019, tells us that those who built Harappan civilization were a mix of these AASI, ancient ancestral South Indians, with settlers from Iran who came 9,000 years ago. So AASI, which is uh, people who came from Africa, and then Iranians got mixed. And this mix is called the Indus Periphery people who spoke an early Dravidian language. Okay. Now, from the DNA analysis, researchers also found that the so-called Aryan gene was missing from the Harappan lady. Okay. This Aryan gene, the one that originated in uh, Central Asian settlers who arrived from an area between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Now, this is the most important bit because most South Asians today carry some ancestry from these settlers, somewhere between less than 10% to a little over 20%, which is entirely absent from the Harappan gene pool. So after Harappan civilization declined circa 2000 BC, a lot of their descendants moved southeast to mix with those first Indians, AASI, to become ancestral South Indian population, ASI. Who live, most of whom live in uh, South India today. And around the same time, we witnessed a huge influx of settlers from the Central Asian steppe region, either due to invasion or migration, and Harappans mixed with them to form the ancestral North Indian population, which is people who live in North India today. Okay. And this is where the problem becomes big for RSS. Uh, which has always insisted that the Vedic culture, which followed the Harappan age, is indigenous to India. So anything that remotely suggests outside influence on what is primarily indigenous to them is a problem. Of course it is. Because, I mean, come on. How dare we try to claim that the very fundamentals, scriptures of Hinduism, may not actually be indigenous to India and that the very origins of the Vedic culture, including Sanskrit, yes, may have been brought by Central Asian settlers. It's like, we so badly want to believe that the Vedic culture is indigenous to us because that was one of our points of pride during the struggle for independence and the desire to reclaim our culture and build a society that we could call ours. And so that's the truth that the RSS has been holding close to them, obviously. And so to say that we may have been aspiring for a society and culture that isn't native to us, outrageous. 
Mm-hmm. Like it would delegitimize the entire politics on the right wing. I'm not saying that's their whole thing, but like they seek to retain purity in culture and uh, emphasize day in and day out that Swadeshi is best. Oh yes, yeah, that checks out. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you, Sarah, do you have anything to add here? I just no. Wow, no. I'm gonna be very <laughs> nice and responsible today. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so it is safe for them to claim that the Iran invasion never happened because that can still be explained in line with their ideology and doesn't contest the indigeneity. But imagine finding out that the high and mighty, holier than thou claim of the most sacred Hindu texts that basically define a majority of the population's lives is foreign, external, and maybe not the language of the people we idolize. and whose culture we seek to preserve Damn. at this point i think you guys all know what my point is i do i like talk about colonization like the other thing i'm amazed at though yeah. is the way other newspapers have dealt with the findings which i think all of you guys who are listening to us please check it out like it's it's incredible i was i was full i was truly shocked like the only highlighted claim in most leading indian newspapers is that the aryan migration theory has been discredited there's no mention of what happens after what happens then who came in where are the facts none of that yeah. Um, my concluding thought here is just the same as the caravans, uh, which I can link that article in our bio where it says, and I quote: "If mass media can be so easily manipulated and spun to counter facts published in scientific journals just to suit the ruling ideology, then how much more effective are such means in distorting reality when the conclusions are not so cut and dry?" Oh wow! It's scary. Yeah. I mean yeah. fun fact I remember studying about the Indus Valley civilization in school and the craziest thing to me was the fact that their script has not been deciphered to date so basically mm-hmm. everything that we know so far about the Indus Valley civilization could completely be flipped on its head if the script does ever get deciphered and anyway that was my history nerd moment but coming that would back, be fun though <laughs> I know I feel like it's a mystery thriller situation that I'm waiting for If y'all want to watch a mystery thriller, please go watch Mohenjo-daro, the Mohenjo-daro. movie that Ragini spoke about. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> It's a ride oh for you. sure. It's a ride. Oh, thank you. <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, coming back to the story. So David Reich is a geneticist at Harvard, and he has a very interesting quote in his book. He says, "Geneticists may be the barbarians coming late to the study of the human past." but it is always a bad idea to ignore barbarians we have access to a type of data that no one has had before so funnily enough even if the script does get deciphered this data which is genetic data actually won't change because dna is the ultimate data that's true yeah but like i'm you know i'm thinking when you said first that that the script isn't dis- isn't deciphered and wonder what will come out of that but i'm just thinking yeah. that here there is a article written in the script that you understand yet you yeah. totally turn it around i mean did you did you read exactly. what vasant shinde had said after uh, uh, after this whole thing became a big deal yeah i was so basically he said something along the lines of like harappan people are the same as vedic people right which i mean is obviously against the findings because He also said something about modern Haryanvis, which was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Wait, I'm just looking for the quote. Here it is. He said, "Ancient people of Rakhigarhi were tall and sharp-featured, like the modern Haryanvis." Yeah, he did. And 
Exactly. Because, I mean, the researchers have also found that mixing between the ancient, the ANI and the ASI groups took place mostly between 2000 and 1000 BCE, which is basically the time that the Indus Valley civilization was collapsing and the Rig Veda was being composed. So the stopping of this mixture could actually point towards the emergence of the caste system because then marriages started happening within a sub-caste. So there is a lot of research that can debunk Mr. Shinde's claims, which <laughs> just make the solidarity of them pretty funny. But anyway, we still, yeah, like we still don't know how the Indus Valley civilization came to an end. Plus, all this study confirms is that there was a significant amount of influx of people from the Central Asian steppes, which the influx was significant enough to become a key part of our DNA. Whether it was through invasion or migration is actually still up for debate. And that's why I think it's so important for historians, archaeologists, etc. not to impose their own biases on their understanding of the past. Because, okay, so there's a quote by Foucault where he says, knowledge is not for knowing, knowledge is for cutting, which basically means that the point of knowledge is to help us shape reality and not just to passively observe it or to passively know it. So... Yeah, I think uh, the findings at Rakhi Gadi are very interesting, but uh, we need to look at them for what they are. Hmm. Not the RSS, it doesn't. No, yeah. they don't. They <laughs> absolutely do not. We're shaping the knowledge for our reality. That's what they're doing. Okay. Distorting conclusions that are very cut and dry. Okay, I just got to very unnecessarily say I have, as a social student, I have a hate love relationship with Zuko, but he made sense right now. So <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> On that note, we come to the end of this segment. We will be right back after a short break. You're listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. We're Team Splainer and make sure you follow us at Splainer in Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the Splainer fam. It's time for some food for thought. Ex-supermodel Linda Evangelista recently came forward with her horrific experience with something called cool sculpting. The procedure is basically used to kill fat cells. Unfortunately, in a small number of cases like in hers, it causes a side effect called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia. <sighs> Said it right. C-A-H. <laughs> the fat cells expand instead of shrinking which is referred to as the stick of butter effect. Now, that's a name I can say. Butter mm. stick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Easy. Because, well, it can look like a stick of butter hidden under the skin. Okay. That is, that sounds a yeah. bit disturbing. <laughs> exactly. I just, like, all the words I want to say, because I know it happened to her, I just, I'm holding myself back because I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Evangelista yeah. says she was never told about the risk of getting this. And now it says she has been left permanently deformed. In her long note on Instagram, she also spoke about how the media began to start describing her as unrecognizable. And I think that is the crux of the problem. How else would a supermodel who at the height of her fame was often quoted saying she wouldn't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day go to almost being invisible in the public eye? That's insane. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, that quote, like, just... It's such a weird dissonance, right? The confidence there versus like incredible. It's most definitely this roving public case that doesn't seem to give celebs or for that matter, anyone the safe space to just be. 
It's undeniable that celebrities are under more pressure than anyone to conform to impossible standards of beauty. And I think this is precisely why people put themselves through increasingly invasive procedures. What's more absurd in this case is that cool sculpting is actually touted as a safe, non-invasive procedure. But what even is this procedure? Because I'll be honest, before reading about Evangelista, I had never heard about cool sculpting before. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, reading uh, like Splainer's, uh, the article that Splainer put in, it's it's basically not supposed to be a weight loss procedure, which I think what is what people confuse it to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's only for when there are like regions on your body where the fat is stored, is unresponsive to any diet and exercise, even when the individual is at their ideal body weight. And so the process is usually carried out by dermatologists or plastic surgeons. And it involves applying a gel first to protect the skin from damage. And then the skin is cooled to just above freezing point. And it like the procedure itself usually happens to take place in like the chin, the abdomen, the arms, all of that, etc. And it can take anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours wherein the cold administered to your skin kills off the fat cells without harming surrounding areas, which sounds like a fairly easy procedure, right? There is no real like needles and pins and any of that. But, and you can usually see about a 20% reduction in fat in treated areas. And sometimes people get it redone in the same areas to increase fat reduction by 40 to 50%. Oh, But yeah, but of course, I mean, it's not covered by health insurance and it can cost anywhere between 600 to $3,000. Wow. And it still happens to be very popular in the US with like over 8 million treatments administered. Crazy, if you ask me. Yeah. I think the other reason uh, that it seems so popular though is that the recovery time is much lesser than the surgical techniques like say liposuction, for example. Uh, New York-based dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bao says, and I quote, you can go into cool sculpting procedure and then you can hit the gym later that day. Oh, Which I mean, yeah. I'm not saying I want a reason to skip the gym, but like I would not. Yeah. <laughs> cool sculpting. <laughs> Wait, but then, so what are the risks? So there's a vacuum that holds the skin during the procedure. And so the skin feels really cold until it goes numb. But it seems that the actual side effects are basically just like the usual swelling of area, redness, bruising, tingling, cramping etc things that you would imagine to happen if there's like very cold something very cold on your skin for a very long period of time but there are also rare side effects that include frostbites dizziness hernia and also as we now know paradoxical adipose hyperplasia or ph which like sarah mentioned is the condition that linda evangelista has and so the risk of this condition cited earlier was one out of four thousand treatments But now it seems much higher with like a recent study, which says it's actually one out of every 666 treatments. Oh my God. So the risk percentage has increased incredibly. Does Satan have something to do with this? (laughs) Good one. And the worst part is that even surgery may not help because Evangelista said that she underwent multiple corrective surgeries, which left her arm with, and I quote, immense keloid scarring, which is, you know, the... Those the sort of like raised scars that you have after Ooh. surgical procedures that are like a reddish pinkish mm. yeah. color, like a different from your skin, darker than your surrounding skin. Um, mm. But the recent cool sculpting technique seems safer with pH risk being one of every 2000 treatments in a recent Canadian study, probably due to newer machines and lesser force, vacuum force on skin, but it's still so much higher than was first cited. 
like one out of 4,000 versus now it's one out of every 2,000, which is insane Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. And I don't think we should just like rely on something that seems safer. I mean, just because it seems Mm -hmm. non-invasive, it doesn't mean that we don't need to regulate it, right? So Mm -hmm. see, cool sculpting was developed by Zeltic Aesthetics, which was this, this company that was later acquired by Allergan Aesthetics, the same company that sells Botox. Ooh. Yep. Which is in turn owned by an American pharmaceutical company called AbbVie. So is cool sculpting a medical device? Mm. It is US FDA approved. They claim it on their website, but it's sold through and sold and marketed also through wellness centers. What is a wellness mm. center? Yeah, yeah, that's like, it it has always confused me. These cosmetic treatments and wellness clinics, like where do they fall? They're not hospitals, but slowly their treatments are getting more and more invasive, right? I mean, if you go to Cool Sculpting's Indian website and try to find a clinic, you'll find clinics associated in Pune, Chandigarh, Hyderabad, Delhi, Chennai, Bangalore, Bombay, everywhere. But these clinics are catered to the beauty segment. They are VLCC and other such skin and wellness centers, not hospitals. So like, Kaya Skin Clinic, those type. Yes, those oh, type. But I didn't see oh, Kaya on the list, so I'm not going to name them. Okay, mm. fair. Skin <laughs> Clinic, basically. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And it's clo- it's it's patented, by the way. This technique is patented by Cool Sculpting. So, like, no one else can claim to do that. And there's a whole other, like, can of worms there. You know, if you try looking up, mm. Cool Sculpting is after all these fake people who try to do Cool Sculpting without being Cool Sculpting. Anyway, but it has close yeah. to 80 clinics affiliated with them in India and they market themselves as USFDA approved, like I said. But the thing is, that's USFDA. Where is the Indian authority? If something happened to me and I got cool sculpting done, mm. where, where am I going to go to complain? Like there's no re- regulatory authority here I could go to complain. Mm. So where am I going to go? High court solution to all our problems. <laughs> 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 no wonder the judiciary is overburdened. Wait, so this... <laughs> system is basically a medical device that's approved by a US regulator operates in India without any regulation. Yep. And you'll be surprised to know what else no operated without regulations in India until very recently. Think x-ray machines. No! What? Ultrasound devices. Ultrasound? Oh my god. Oh my god. And then we think that Vedic culture indigeneity is the biggest problem facing us right now. <laughs> This country amazes me every day. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, uh, international investigations into the Johnson & Johnson hip implants came out. And that's when everyone discovered that um, they're not regulating their medical devices at all. So India had basically no standards for registration of these things. Okay. Don't get me wrong. We have had Drugs and Cosmetics Act since the 1940s that regulates pharmaceuticals. Okay. But it had nothing... For medical devices until 2017, the medical device rules 2017 came and regulated catheters, cardiac stents, condoms, disinfectants, etc. But 2017. Wow. And under the new amendments in 2020, only then you see like ultrasound devices, x-ray machines, dialysis machines and thermometers. 2020? X-ray, yeah. ultrasound, that's it. So, you know you know how they must be operating, no? They are USFDA approved, yeah? Enough. Sab changa si. Our regulation ko bhi outsource kar do. Where is the Atmane Bharta? Abhi aari hai. But cool sculpting is not on the list. So, fend for yourselves, guys. Yeah, so the um, 
Linda Evangelista story actually made me think of something that recently happened with Khloe Kardashian. Uh, basically, a picture of hers was going around on the internet, which she believed made her look unflattering, and so she got her lawyers to take it down and posted a statement on Instagram about how she's always struggled with body image issues, and she actually received major backlash for her statement because, fair enough, like the Kardashians have essentially profited off of marketing a certain body type as being desirable, so it just seemed hypocritical of Chloe to bring up her body image issues right when an unflattering picture of her resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Similarly, mm-hmm. I think with cosmetic procedures like cool sculpting, when it does go bad, there is a tendency to turn around and be like, oh, well, nobody forced you to do it. So I guess, whatever. But I mean, Linda Evangelista literally said that the surgery left her, what, permanently deformed. And on top mm-hmm. of that, the media calling her unrecognizable. I mean, that could not have been easy. So yeah. sure, we have a Drug and Cosmetics Act and there is a regulation of cosmetic devices, etc, etc. But there is also the fact that in the age of Instagram, there is definitely an insane amount of pressure to mm-hmm. conform to societal beauty standards, right? And mm-hmm. okay, here is my hot take. While cosmetic procedures are obviously never necessary, but the societal pressure may just make it seem like that for some people. So, okay, obviously, I'm not saying that like cool sculpting is like chemotherapy or anything. Like if you don't get it, you won't live. But what I'm trying to say is that maybe for Linda Evangelista, the stakes were just as high in her head. Like whether that is true or not can be debated. But nonetheless, for her, it is true. Yeah, I I, I yeah. do see it. Like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, literally heard, like, my friend talk about teenagers that she knows talking about getting nose jobs because of how much yeah. they are currently influenced by Instagram. Because these guys have grown up in this age of Instagram. So, for them, exactly. like, like, I grew up without a phone, really. So, I didn't have this ideal beauty standard type as, like, the pressure to conform sure. to growing up. Um, so, I can't imagine how it must be like for them. So, I totally get. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, okay. So, like when the whole Chloe thing happened, I was on the hater side because Kardashians, why not? But with <laughs> Linda Evangelista, I just feel a lot more empathetic because anyway, there is so much pressure to look a certain way in the modeling industry. Plus, I mean, being called all those names in the media could not have been easy. So I don't know, like my takeaway from this story is just that obviously cosmetic procedures need to be regulated and stuff. But like, long story short, yeah, we're all here to fend for ourselves. Buyer beware. The cosmetic Mm -hmm. surgery industry basically preys on people's insecurities and expects you to come out to get those treatments based on that. So yeah, it's a a nasty industry. It's a slippery slope. Mm. Oops. With that, we come to the end of our second segment. We will be right back after a short break. You're listening to Press Decode on the IBM Podcast Network. Welcome back to Press Decode on the IBM Podcast Network. It's time for our final segment this week, Roast or Toast, where it's now a norm that I open with my signature grumps. And honestly, I have no plans to fight back. So here goes. (laughs) <laughs> a new study from Carnegie Mellon University shows that taking an Uber Ola is far worse for the environment than driving your own car. On average, a rideshare trip imposes 30 to 40% greater social cost than the same trip made in a personal vehicle. 
the main reason is something termed as deadheading now i'm going to explain what it is but i just want to say my first thing was that sounds cool like yeah that does sound cool <laughs> deadheading uh which is the time spent which is but other than that it is basically the time spent driving a taxi where there is no passenger in the car it accounted mm. for 43% of total drive time which is essentially the time spent producing carbon emissions blo- blocking traffic and just being an overall threat given that the pandemic is still raging on and i still can't drive to save my ass this just makes me feel extremely guilty um, even more reason for you to sit at home that's insane though oh <laughs> i thought you were going to say finally go get your driver's license yeah <laughs> that's the ideal thing to say but okay sit at home it is mm-hmm. but 43% is insane but i mean it's also like if i'm getting a cab in a far away area i guess the driver has to drive 10 minutes to come to me yeah. which also would count in this deadheading yep time mhm crazy okay i also have a least favorite item this week it's from today's edition uh according to a study conducted at newcastle university people risk developing type 2 diabetes if they can no longer fit into the genes that they were wearing when they were 21 guys who fits into people. their jeans when they were like what they were wearing at 21 not a question to you sara oh Ouch. damn it you shot me down <laughs> <laughs> no but who what what age are we talking about people here uh, age i think it's actually i don't know the age no but it just i from what i understood they just expect you to be the same body size yeah the point is that if you are at risk that's crazy even if you are not overweight that's the point like yeah. if people discovered that you could uh. no longer fit into the same size trousers you're carrying too much fat basically meaning that diabetes is not caused by obesity but by being too heavy for your own body but i don't like the fact that you 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 have to be the same as what you were when you were 21 no no I'm not even the same as I was one year ago. I'm Sara, but like take notes, Sara. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's too much pressure right now for me to spend this year correctly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I have a fave item this week. There is a German hamster named Mr. Gox who trades in cryptocurrencies and is killing it apparently. Oh and God. okay, so my favorite part of this whole story is how he trades. Okay, first. Mr Gox runs on the intention wheel to pick which cryptocurrency to trade once the crypto is chosen he runs through one of two decision tunnels that trigger either a buy or sell trade of the chosen cryptocurrency and okay even reading that i don't think i completely understand it because i don't understand crypto but mr gox makes it sound so easy i, I want to buy some cryptocurrency you guys oh my god oh, so cute oh my god maybe he should start a stock broking uh, agency instead of like running I, it only for himself <laughs> oh i give him yeah. all my money that's take all my money i swear to god this is the most adorable thing i've heard <laughs> oh my god Anyway, my fave item this week was nowhere compared to Ragini's, but it was this Twitter thread that matched Met Gala looks to book covers, guys. Book covers, like imagine taking random Met Gala looks and be like, "This looks similar to this." How do you do that? Like, I know we don't usually do visuals because this is a podcast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I will absolutely put the link in our bio, and you have to check it out, guys. The resemblance is truly uncanny. It's incredible, and check out our edition if you just want a sneak peek because we have it in our Sandy break. 
So I'll put that link in as well. The pandemic really gave people a lot of time, no, to find book covers <laughs> and dresses. <laughs> Lots of Amazing time when everyone can. <laughs> anyway, that was our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us on Press Decode. You can catch us every Thursday on the IVM Podcast Network. And guys, please remember, don't let the news give you the blues. Bye.